special occasion shoes. Aunt Daisy walked with a cane, so hobbling around in two tight shoes fit the image. Mother Bishop cleared her throat again. Charlotte started at the sound and realized the casket had landed and everyone was waiting. Taking a deep breath, she squeezed Will's hand. He squeezed back again and held out his rose, reminding her of what came next. Together, Charlotte and her son stepped forward. Together, they dropped their roses into the grave. Together, they stepped back. Charlotte bowed her head. Goodbye, Colonel. I am supposed to be praying for your soul. Perhaps someday I shall. But not today. Today I can't seem to stop thinking you deserve a little time in hell for the things you've done. All I'm saying is, Aunt Daisy gestured with her butter knife, in my day, children showed more respect for their elders. Charlotte's eyes followed the clump of butter on Daisy's knife as it plopped into a bowl of fresh blackberries, splattering dark juice onto the white linen breakfast cloth. In an effort to recover the butter, the elderly woman tipped her over full teacup. Amber stains joined the deep blue ones around Daisy's place at the table. Please, Daisy, Ella Bishop snapped. Between Will's pranks and your clumsiness, Edgar has just about had his fill. With all that has happened, we don't need him giving notice, too. Let him give notice, Daisy blustered. In my day, people didn't allow themselves to be ruled by the help. Mother Bishop sighed. I'm doing my best to reestablish a peaceful home. Her voice trembled. She dabbed at the corner of each eye with her napkin. Although heaven knows, without Emery, it's going to be a difficult task. Charlotte shoved her napkin off her lap. She bent down to retrieve it instead of meeting Mother Bishop's gaze. I apologize if I sound harsh, Daisy. It's just that Edgar's been with us for years, and we don't want to lose him. She looked pointedly at the empty seat beside Charlotte. I see we are once again off to a disorganized beginning to our day. She looked down her nose at Charlotte. May I remind you, dear that we agreed that Master Will would cease dawdling in the morning and join us for breakfast precisely at seven. Charlotte twisted the napkin in her lap while she formulated a reply. You do recall that conversation, Mother Bishop intoned. Of course I do, Charlotte snapped. Mother Bishop's left eyebrow arched. Charlotte felt goosebumps rising on her arms. She touched the scar on her left wrist where the surgeon had operated to repair a broken bone. Just before Charlotte had fallen, her husband had arched his left eyebrow exactly that way. Forcing herself to look into her mother-in-law's eyes, she replied, I do remember, Mother Bishop, but Will had a headache when he woke this morning, and I told him to stay in bed. A shriek from the kitchen caught everyone's attention. 
Will bolted like lightning from the butler's pantry, followed by the cook in hot pursuit, her cap askew, a rolling pin wielded like a sword. Charlotte jumped up, but not before Garnet Irvin came to the top of the stairs, glided down to the landing, and intercepted Will. Small in stature but strong as a horse, Garnet wrapped one hand around the boy's shoulders. Charlotte saw her whisper something in his ear just before she let go. The cook paused to catch her breath. Will skittered up the stairs and escaped to his room at the far end of the expansive upper hall, slamming the door shut behind him. Charlotte instinctively started to follow after him, but she sensed Mother Bishop's approach and turned around, grateful she was almost halfway up the stairs so the woman couldn't loom over her, as was her habit. Even so, her heart thumped when she saw the tightly pressed lips, the tilt of the head, the way the older woman's left hand clenched her walking stick. No one had ever been able to tell Charlotte why Mother Bishop required a walking stick, but she had an impressive collection of them. This morning she was using the ebony one with the brass dragon head at the top. If it was going to be what Will called a dragon lady day, Charlotte was in for it. She backed up one step and put her hand on the railing, grateful when Garnet descended from the upstairs landing and stood behind her, close enough for Charlotte to feel her comforting presence. In my day, Charlotte, Mother Bishop said, her voice terrible in its studied self-control. Children were taught to be seen and not heard. My son would be appalled by the demonstration we've just witnessed. But even more disturbing would be the realization that the behavior was enabled by a lie told by the child's own mother. The gray hair piled atop Mother Bishop's head trembled as she punctuated the chastisement with a tap of the walking stick on the inlaid wood floor. Charlotte looked down at the hem of Mother Bishop's black silk dress. Across the hall in the dining room, China clinked as Aunt Daisy continued her breakfast. Good old Aunt Daisy. Nothing ever came between her and a good meal. The doorbell rang. Cook retreated to her kitchen, muttering unhappily. Mother Bishop glared at the door and waited for Edgar. Edgar opened the door, bowed, and announced the caller. With a warning glance up the stairs to where Charlotte stood gripping the handrail and trying to suppress a sense of overwhelming dread, Mother Bishop advanced toward the entryway. Her hand extended, her genteel lady-of-the-manner expression easing into her version of a welcoming smile. Major Riley, she purred. What a delightful surprise. November 3rd, 1889, Detroit City, Michigan. Dearest Papa, I received a letter from Dinah only yesterday, and she seems to be thriving in Philadelphia. It doesn't seem so long ago that I heard you lament the fact that the family tradition in medicine was destined to end with your generation and the birth of two girls. And now we have Dinah planning to seek admission to medical school as soon as she is old enough. 
Who would have thought that my little sister, the tomboy, would brave a world only recently open to women? I, for one, am proud of her, and I hope you share that sentiment. Miss James says Dinah is applying herself well in all her studies. Aunt Hazel seems pleased with Dinah as a house guest. Our little girl certainly has a bright future ahead. Will and I have not been quite so fortunate in our adjustment to life without the colonel. Of course, his death was a shock. The jump was low, and how he came unseated I will never understand. It's even harder to comprehend that such a minor spill could kill a man. There are days when I wake and almost convince myself it was all a dream, and a silly one at that. But then I look around at my little room and I am forced to accept reality. Moving into the manse permanently has proven to be very different from when we used to stay here for holidays or when the colonel was on leave. There is little more to say appropriate for my pen. Papa, dearest, I well remember what a challenge I was to you in the past. In the summer of 1879, when you said goodbye to Mama and Dinah and me, I know you were relieved to have me away from Fort Robinson. Since then, I have done my best to learn from my mistakes and to become someone of whom you might be proud. Charlotte's hand trembled. She raised the pen from the paper, but not before leaving a smudge. Last, she muttered. Looking up from her writing desk, she was struck once again by the recent change in the view from her bedroom window. The colonel and she had once...